If you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5. While you're turning there, uh, any of those that are involved in the youth Bible study that haven't already left, uh, you are free to be dismissed at this point uh, as the youth will be meeting now. Uh, By the way, uh, are you like me? I think I could sing How Great Thou Art at every single gathering we have. Amen? I I never, ever get old. Uh, That hymn never gets old to me of just declaring the greatness uh, of our God. Well, tonight we're in Luke chapter 5. We are still in the series on the miracles of Jesus. We've been in this now for the last three and a half years, and uh, at least it feels that way. It's been a long time. In fact, I was thinking the other day, uh, we've really only had two long series this year. Uh, We were in the Sermon on the Mount for the first half of the year, and we've been in the miracles of Jesus for about the last half of the year. I think we had a three-week series for Easter, and that's, that's... impressive. I'll be honest. Uh, uh, Normally we do shorter series, but uh, uh, we were in the gospel of John for a while looking at the miracles of Jesus there. Uh, And then we were in the gospel of Mark. Uh, Now we're shifting gears and we're going to look at a few of the miracles recorded in the gospel of Luke. And I have finally decided when this series will end. And uh, I've, I've shared this with a few of you, and every response I've gotten has been nothing but encouraging. But I think this series, not that the series is ending, like it's about time. No, that's not what I mean. But we're going to end this series with the miracle of Christmas. We're going to end this series. Doesn't that make sense? It usually it takes me a while for the Lord to get my attention, all right? Uh, but we're going to end with the miracle of the Incarnation. And so we're going to stay in this series on miracles until Christmas, and Lord willing, unless he changes direction, we will end the miracle series with the miracle of Christmas. So uh, that means for the next few weeks, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke, looking at some of the miracles recorded here. Uh, There'll be some miracles we won't look at because they're recorded in other Gospels. Uh, But here's one we've not looked at that's recorded in Luke chapter 5, and if you're able Able to stand, please do so as we honor the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, uh, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone off, uh, had gone out. Uh, But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out uh, a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out in the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word... I will let down the nets. But when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man." O Lord, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. 
And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. This is the word of God. Pray with me. Pray for me. Let's ask God to teach us. I think there's some important things for us to learn in this text tonight. So let's pray. Uh, God, here we are. We're ready to hear from you. We want to hear from you. It's the desire of our heart that you would speak to us tonight. Thank you for this opportunity to gather around your word and to study it. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would now open our eyes to see, our hearts to receive what it is you want to speak to us about. All to the glory of Christ. And God's people said, amen. 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 You can be seated. Uh, several years ago, uh, Pepsi uh, did an ad campaign uh, promoting their Pepsi Max product uh, surrounding a character by the name of Uncle Drew. Uh, Uncle Drew was an old man, some of you remember this, uh, and he would travel around to local basketball courts that were full of young basketball players in their prime. Uh, Uncle Drew's concern was that all these young basketball players had forgotten the fundamentals, and he wanted to show them how the game was supposed to be played. In one particular episode, Uncle Drew and his sidekick Wes, not to be confused with me, uh, showed up at a basketball court in New Jersey while everybody's asking, who's next? Who's next? And when Uncle Drew and Wes inform everyone that they've got next, everyone laughs. You can almost see what they're thinking by the expression on their face. Who do these old men think they are that they're going to run with the big boys? And sure enough, when the game starts, uh, the first few possessions are nothing but air balls. And the old men are doing all these stretches and people are like, this is a joke. They are laughing and snickering on the sidelines, and then all of a sudden, just as those young basketball players begin to think that they've got this game in the bag, everything starts to change. Show them that move. Show them that move, you son. Oh, oh. Get out of here! 
not my house. That looks a lot like me in high school. I got to be honest, that, that looks awfully familiar. Well, needless to say, those young guys had no idea what they were up against. And then comes the big reveal. It, it turns out that Uncle Drew is not an old man who can barely play basketball. He's Kyrie Irving, the number one pick in the 2011 NBA Draft, Rookie of the Year, seven-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA basketball player, Kyrie Irving. And his sidekick, Wes, is Kevin Love, another NBA star. Now, Faith Family, what I want you to do is I want you to put yourself in the basketball shoes of those young men on that court. No doubt they thought they were pretty good at basketball. No doubt in their minds they knew what they were doing. No doubt they had an enormous amount of self-confidence, listen, until greatness was revealed. And it only took a few moments in the presence of greatness to reveal just how inadequate they really were. Have you ever had that happen in your life? Have you ever had an experience where your inadequacies, your shortcomings, your inabilities were exposed? You thought you were a pretty good parent until you met those kids that make your kids look like zoo animals. You know which kids I'm talking about. Or you thought you were a pretty good cook and then you tasted that dish that put yours to shame. You thought you were doing well financially until you met somebody that was far more successful than you. You thought you were good at sports until you got your rear end handed to you on the court. And while those experiences, be honest, are humbling, they remind us that we're not as good as we think we are. And that every single one of us still has a lot to learn. Amen? That is exactly what is happening to Peter and the disciples here in Luke chapter 5. Jesus takes on the very thing. He shows up on the home basketball court of Peter and the disciples, and he takes this thing these young fishermen knew best. He takes this thing that they were experts in. He takes this thing that they would have been confident about. In fact, quite honestly, they knew how to do this better than Jesus did. And Jesus is going to take that area of their life and through a miracle, listen, he's going to expose just how inadequate they really are. That they are not as good as they think they are. But listen, he is not doing this to humiliate them. He's doing this to call them to something greater. Look at verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he's standing by the Sea of Galilee. And this is the same word. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. 
Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon, Jesus asked him to put out from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out in the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Here's the first idea I want us to see in this text, and that is that the greatness of Jesus revealed Peter's professional inadequacy. Now, I'm going to talk mainly about Peter, but I'm using Peter to represent all of the disciples that are represented here. Peter's kind of the main character of the story, so we're going to let him represent. Here in Luke 5, he records for us the calling of the disciples, and, and we get a little more detail here than we do in Mark chapter 1. Uh, Jesus is teaching at the Sea of Galilee, and, and as he's finishing up, he tells Peter and others, uh, set out in the deep and let down your nets. Go fishing. Let's go fish. And Peter's response to this request is this. Look at verse 5. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. Uh, Peter's like that kid that while he's doing what you told him to do, he's telling you what he thinks about it. You know that kid I'm talking about? Like, I'm going to do it, but at the same time, I'm just going to let you know, Jesus, this is a terrible idea. We fished all night. We haven't caught a thing. Uh, and by the way, you're going to tell me how to fish? I mean, maybe, Jesus, you should stick to Bible study. Right? How about you do Bible study and we'll do fishing. You build the kingdom. We'll catch fish. And, and of course, Peter's pushback here is not unfounded, is it? After all, this is Peter's hometown. He knows the Sea of Galilee like the back of his hand. He knows you fish at night, Jesus, not during the day. And the reason you fish at night is because fish come shallow. And so you fish in the shallow, not in the deep. And after all, we were just out there for hours and we didn't catch a single thing. That looks like some of y'all fishing, doesn't it, right? I mean, we got a boot. That's about it. I mean, there's nothing out there for us to catch. What's next, Jesus? Are you going to tell Bill Belichick how to coach? Are you going to tell Tiger Woods how to hit a golf ball? Are you going to tell Martha Stewart how to make banana bread? Are you going to show the Vikings how to miss a field goal? I mean, these, <laughs> the, listen, these people are experts in these things. They don't need your instruction. Too soon? Too soon? Let's be honest, Jesus. Stay in your lane. You teach, we fish. Time out. Look at me. What is the area in your life that you feel most confident in? And you feel so confident in this area that if somebody tries to give you instruction, you roll your eyes. What do they know? And even if you don't do that externally, internally, that's what you're thinking. And I, I want you to lean in here. Listen, Jesus does not want his followers to be so confident in their fishing ability that they forget you cannot catch a thing without him. 
Look what happens next, verse 5. Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I'll let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking so much that they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. Now, one would note here just quickly that Jesus never does anything halfway. Amen? I mean, he's always abundant, is he not? It's never like, let's just give you enough to get by. Like when he multiplied the loaves and the fish, there was what? Leftovers after everyone had eaten so much they couldn't eat anymore. I love, and more could be said here, but I don't have the time, that Jesus doesn't just let them catch two or three. He has their life overflowing so much that their boats are starting to sink. Notice this important but hard lesson on the screen here, faith family. Sometimes Jesus empties our nets to remind us only he can fill them. Sometimes Jesus empties our nets to remind us only he can fill them. You preach and there's no response. You witness and people don't believe. You practice and you're not getting better. You save and seem to get no traction. And as much as that drives you crazy, here's what you need to understand. Notice it on the screen. Jesus wants us to see our giftedness is nothing in comparison to his greatness. I don't care how good you think you are. I don't care how gifted of a preacher you think you are. I don't care how gifted of an accountant you think you are. I don't care what your giftedness is. It doesn't come close to the greatness of Jesus. In fact, by the way, your giftedness has only been gifted to you by him anyways. We are not as smart as we think we are. We are not as good as we think we are. We are not as gifted as we think we are. And that's good news. You won't hear that on Dr. Phil, but you will hear that here at Faith Family. Because as you're going to see, until you come to realize that, you're not ready for what Jesus is calling you to next. Peter and the disciples need their professional giftedness exposed for the inadequacy that it is. Are you with me? But that's not enough. Jesus goes even deeper than that. Verse 8. So when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O oh Lord. Next, we see here that the greatness of Jesus is revealing Peter's sinful reality. Uh, Peter begins to understand who he's dealing with, and this is going deeper than just his personal or professional inadequacies. This is going all the way to his soul. Peter here is on his knees, face in the sand, aware that he's not just not as good of a fisherman as he thought, but he is a sinful man that doesn't belong in the presence of the greatness of our Christ. Depart. I am a sinful man, O oh Lord. 
Notice what Peter understands just quickly. I'll go through this fast. First is the identity of Jesus. He calls him Lord. Now that's important. These are things I want you to make a mental note of as we'll come back to here in just a few moments. But Peter calls Jesus Lord. He understands who Jesus is. He doesn't say, oh, good teacher. No. Adonai. Lord. God. Messiah. Oh, Peter knows who he's dealing with. He realizes that greatness has just been revealed on his home basketball court. And he has nothing to compare to the great one. Amen? He sees the great and he sees the identity of Jesus. Secondly, he sees the iniquity of himself. He not only says, Lord, but he says, I am a sinful man. Faith family, you cannot be in the presence of God and walk away worshiping yourself. If you enter the presence of God, no one walks out saying, I'm so special. <laughs> no, you walk away. Think about Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah sees the vision of God and what's his response? Woe is me. I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve to be in your presence, God. I don't deserve to see your holiness Faith family, the beauty of Jesus reveals the ugliness of our sin. The power of Jesus reveals the weakness of our flesh. The light of Jesus reveals the darkness of our souls. He sees the identity of Jesus. He sees the iniquity of his own life. But then notice thirdly, he sees the impact of sin. He uses the word depart. In other words, Jesus, I'm not supposed to be in your presence. I don't belong here. You see, here's what we need to understand. Peter understands practically what the Bible teaches theologically, namely that our sin has separated us from God. That we do not belong in the presence of God, but by his grace, amen? That when we see our sin, Peter realizes, listen, you gotta get out of here because I'm not worthy to be in your presence, Greatness has just been revealed on the shore of Galilee. And Peter realizes that not only is he not professional enough, he's not righteous enough. Now, faith family, think with me. Imagine how discouraging it would be if the story stopped here. That if Jesus showed up on the basketball court only to humiliate them, only to embarrass them in their sin... Why, and if you've zoned out, please come back in, why is Jesus revealing this to them? Why is he exposing this in them? Why is he doing this? Well, the good news of the gospel is that Peter's solution, depart, isn't Jesus' solution. Look what Jesus does next. I might get to preaching, all right? It might, a, a sermon might break out here in just a minute, all right? Verse 9. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish and that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Now watch. Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Here's the third big idea. The grace of Jesus 
revealed Peter's capability for ministry. I'm going to preach. Listen, listen, please come in. Jesus did not reveal Peter's inadequacy for the purpose of humiliating him. Jesus didn't reveal Peter's sin just to make him wallow in the sand on the shore of Galilee. Jesus revealed these things to prepare Peter to be used by God. And you're not ready to be used by God till you see me correctly and your sin correctly. If you think I'm calling you because you're good fishermen, then you're not ready to catch men. If you think this is about your professionalism because you got a resume at the Sea of Galilee, no, 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 no. Those aren't the people I'm calling. Notice this on the screen. Peter's solution was separation. I'm done. It's over. Get out of here. I can't do anything. I'm a joke. Jesus' solution is, I'm going to use you. My solution isn't separation. My solution is service. Peter, I have you right where I want you because now you're ready. Don't you see, Peter? I'm not trying to undo you. I'm getting ready to use you. Notice this on the screen. Faith family, as long as you think you're a professional fisherman, you'll never be ready to fish for men. Because the last kind of player that Jesus wants on his team is the kind of player that thinks the game depends on you. That's a great place for an amen. I'm going to say it again. Listen, the last kind, and I'm talking to myself here, the last kind of player that Jesus wants on his team is the type of player that thinks the game depends on you. And so Jesus is going to show us that our professional giftedness and our personal righteousness are insufficient. So that then and only then will we be able to be used by God for great things. Listen to the prophet Isaiah or prophet Jeremiah. This is Jeremiah 9:23. Uh, Thus says the Lord, let the wise man boast, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, let him who boasts boast in this that he understands and knows me. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 26. Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many of noble birth. But God chose what's foolish in the world to shame the wise. He chose what's weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. That is Christian ministry. That is being on mission with God. Namely, that something happens in your life and you don't look at it and say, yeah, I did that because I'm educated. No, that happened because of God's grace. That happened because of the goodness and greatness of God in my life. Faith family, until we realize our need for Jesus, we will never be used by Jesus. 
And what does that bring us back to? Because some of you are going to think I'm a broken record, and that's because I am. <laughs> what have I been talking about almost ever since we started the series on the Sermon on the Mount? That the kingdom of God is all about what? Blessed are the poor in spirit. They get the kingdom. And I would add to that, not only do they get the kingdom, they get used for the kingdom. Notice this on the screen. Listen, in order to reach people who do not have it all together, Jesus uses people who have come to know they don't have it all together. Just keep that up there for a moment. In order to reach people who don't have it all together, Jesus uses people who have come to realize they don't have it all together. You see, Peter, until you have your inadequacies exposed, until you realize that you're not the professional you think you are, in fact, it goes far deeper than that. You're a sinful man that doesn't even deserve to be in the presence of Jesus. But once you realize that, now you're ready to do ministry. Because now you're going to serve with a limp. Because now you're going to love with a compassion and a sensitivity that you never would have had you thought this were about you. You see, in seeing the greatness of Jesus, we see the smallness of ourselves, and that makes us humble to do the kind of ministry that he has called us to do. The mission of God is not for the professionals. It's for the poor in spirit. Notice this on the screen. I love this. Jesus calls people who can't catch fish so that when they catch fish, he gets the glory. You think you're a good fisherman? How much you catch last night? A boot? I didn't catch anything. Now you're ready to catch. Because now what you're going to know is if you catch anything, it only happened because of the grace of God. And the only one that gets any credit for it is the glory of God. Don't you see what Jesus is doing here in this miracle? The catch of fish is not because Peter's a smart fisherman. It's because Jesus is a powerful savior. That's the point of the miracle. Note, I'm going to give you some biblical fishing, uh, fishing tips. How many of y'all like to fish? Most of you know that my favorite pastime or hobby is fishing, and so I love this passage. Let me give you four biblical fishing tips. Here we go. All out of the text, I trust. Number one is this. Catching fish, of course, we're here talking about being on mission of God, being used by God, fishing for men. Catching fish comes not from our professionalism, but by his power. That's the point of this miracle, is it not? The point of the miracle is we haven't caught anything. Cast your nets out, and you'll catch more than you've ever caught in your life. Why? Because there's nothing impossible with Jesus. You really think catching fish is hard for Jesus? No, no. Listen, as we go about our life, and, and, and here's why this is so important. I don't need to camp here too long. But there are some of you holding back from sharing the gospel with a friend, from having that conversation at Thanksgiving this week, from doing that thing that you need to do because you've got excuses in your mind that's saying, I'm not smart enough. I don't have all the answers. I, I've never been to seminary, Pastor. I've never been trained in evangelism. But what you're starting to see here is that it's not about your professionalism. 
It's not about your training. Those are great things. I hope I didn't waste all that time of my life, right? Education is good. Training is good. But catching fish comes by the power of God, not your ability. So share and see what God does. Cast a net and see what you catch. You may be amazed at what God can do through you. Amen? Amen. Here's the second fishing tip. Catching fish will require that you be in the boat. Catching fish will require that you be in the boat. Here's what I think is so important for us to think about. Jesus doesn't perform the miracle like this. Y'all just walk out there and I'm gonna make all the fish come to you, okay? Hold out your hands and the fish will just leap into your basket, right? That's not how this miracle happens. How does it happen? Through normal fishing. In other words, you ready? Are you ready? Don't expect to catch fish resting on the shore. Yeah, trust me, catching fish comes from the power of God, but it's through you fishing. It's not, I'm going to sit back and just kind of get toasty on the the bank and we'll just see if fish jump up. No, you got to share. You got to serve. You got to love. You got to have that conversation. Yes, it is of the power of God, but you still have to be in the boat. Amen? Amen. The miracle happens through the normal act of fishing. Number three, catching fish often requires strategies that seem strange. Catching fish of men often requires strategies that seem strange. And this is certainly true. Those of you who, are, who really know how to fish, there are some times that you have to uh, go places that people will be like, you're nuts. I have taken a bass boat back in the way back of coves that you would be like, you're going to get stuck back there and die, right? And it's like, but that's where the fish are. And so as crazy as it looks, that's where we got to go. That's what we got to do. The disciples were used to fishing at night, and Jesus tells them to fish during the day. On the mission of God, Jesus will call you to do strange things, okay? Uh, There's so many of these things I think are are so practical. Look at this on the screen. This will preach. I've been in ministry for 25 years. The biggest obstacle most churches face in ministry is, but we've always done it this way. This is what I love about faith family, is we don't have a whole lot of we've always done it this way, (laughs) which means we get to do things in different ways. And we're going to cast nets in ways that you may say, are you allowed to cast, cast nets that way? We're going to try. Because we're not going to let the, but we've always fished this way, prevent us from going out into the waters that Jesus is calling us to. But a lot of churches are stuck in their same old, same old, same old. And Jesus is saying, I know you're used to fishing in the shallow, but I want you to take it to the deep. I know you're used to fishing at night. We're going to try this in the day. And maybe, maybe, maybe you just end up catching a catch that will blow your mind. What is it, faith family, that looks strange to you when it comes to the mission of God? Look at this on the screen. The only logical reason Peter has to put his nets 
out is that Jesus told him to do so. In other words, if you follow the playbook of fishing, this is not the ideal time to be doing so. The only reason why Peter is doing this is because Jesus told him to. And quite honestly, church, that's the only reason we need. But nobody else is doing that. I don't care what everybody else is doing. This is what God has called us to do. What in your life looks a bit crazy when it comes to ministering to others? I don't mean Cousin Eddie who's coming over for Thanksgiving this week. I mean that thing that you do that the world would say, I can't believe you're that generous. I can't believe you forgive like that. I can't believe you love that person. That's a weird way to catch fish, yeah, but that's what Jesus has called me to do. And the strategies of catching men are not the strategies of the world. Amen? Amen. Here's the fourth and final fishing tip of the day. I want to go fishing after this service now, after all this talk. Number four is this, catching fish should always result in praise, not pride. Catching fish, that is being effective in the Lord's work, uh, impacting the lives of others for the gospel, that should always result in, we want to praise God through that, not be prideful of self. Look at their response again in verse 9. Verse 9 says, for he and all who were with him were what? Astonished, you bet they were, at the catch of fish that they had taken. Listen, you and I should have that same response when Jesus does anything through us. Astonishment. When God uses you, when God uses me, when God uses us as faith family, it should not become a matter of pride. It should always be a matter of praise. Look what God did. Can you believe he used me? Can you believe he used this church in the South Metro to do that? (laughs) Glory to God. Look at the fish. Look at the impact in this one person's life. (gasps) I'm astonished that God would do that through us. That's the posture. Are you with me? It must never be Look how educated we are and and look how much money we have and look how whatever it is, I can't believe God is still using me. Oh, that we would have this astonishment and praise of Jesus. Last point, faith family, and we're done, and it's this. It's the gospel revealed in Jesus' unending mercy. The gospel revealed in Jesus' unending mercy. And you might wonder, where are you getting that from this miracle? I don't see it. Come here with me for just a moment. Uh, How many of you know, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you know that this is not the only miracle of a great catch of fish? In fact, this miracle, the, the miracle of catching a great catch of fish, actually serves as a bookend in the Gospels. What I mean here is this miracle in Luke 5 is at the calling of the disciples, the beginning, but there's actually another one that's the same miracle that happens after the resurrection at the end of the Gospel of John. Listen to John chapter 21 and verse 3. You'll notice it here on the screen. 
Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, well, we'll go with you. Most appropriate response I can think of. When they went out and got in the boat, but that night they caught what? As day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? I wonder if the Jesus smirk is on his face. I don't know that that's there, but maybe. Caught any fish? What's the fishing report, guys? And they said, no. And he said to them, well, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now, how many of you noticed all of the similarities in that miracle of the fish with the first miracle of the fish in Luke 5. Let me recount them for you. Same people, Peter and the disciples. Same technique, fishing at night. Same result, caught nothing. Same command, cast your nets. Same miracle, caught an abundance of fish. Same declaration, it's the Lord. It's all the same. Every bit of it is the same. Except one thing. Here's the only difference between the first miracle and the second miracle of the catch of fish. It's this. John 21, 7. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put, out, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. Come in close. The only difference is that now Peter understands he doesn't have to depart from Jesus. He can't wait to get to Jesus. Because the last time he saw Jesus, his sin had been revealed in a courtyard. But now because of the cross and resurrection, Peter knows I don't have to depart because of my sin. I can run to him for he has forgiven me of my sin. It's the only difference is that the gospel reveals the unending mercy of Jesus in this miracle. When Jesus shows up on the basketball court of your life and reveals how you're not as good as you think you are, faith family, it is not to embarrass you. He is not trying to rub your face in the sand he is showing you how in the presence of greatness, your personal giftedness and your personal righteousness has always been and always will be insufficient. But the good news of the gospel is the moment that you come to realize that, now you're ready for greater things.
Now you're ready to catch men. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this truth tonight. Um, and maybe there's people in this room and they're just in a season where they have cast nets and cast nets and it has been nothing after nothing after nothing. And you're trying to teach them. You're trying to teach us that we're not as good as we think we are. And you don't need us on your mission, but by your grace, you want to use us on your mission. And once we've realized that this service to you and this mission that we're on is not about how gifted we are, it's about how great Jesus is, now we're ready to go and cast our nets. And so I'm praying right now, as we enter into this week of Thanksgiving, there will be people that we are not normally around that we will be around. There will be conversations that we will have that maybe we only have once a year. There will be opportunities that will be put before us. I pray in spiritual humility that we will cast our nets and see what you might do. Because the miracle of salvation, the miracle of catching people is still happening today by the power of God. Use this church, this gathered people here in Burnsville and Rosemount tomorrow morning, use us to catch fish for the glory of God. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen.